Hello, my friends. Has it only been a week? Strange. I could have sworn it was much more. Or much less. To be honest, I didn't really keep track. It's hard here, because the sun hasn't been rising or setting. It is just always gray and foggy here. Still, on this little island on which I continue to find myself. I'm not concerned, though. I said I needed to stay here for a time. And I think my time here is not done. I was trapped, once. Maybe a hundred episodes or so ago. I can't recall. I was placed in a prison of darkness and silence, and it was terrible. Know that this is not that. This is peaceful. Difficult, too, in its own way. But peaceful. Perhaps because I put myself here. Why? I don't know. Maybe to distill my thoughts and desires and actions a little more clearly. For example, I've seen more ghosts passing me by in their little rowboats than I ever imagined. I thought there were many of them in my forest. Turns out there are so many more of them here. I remember something about ghosts in rowboats, lost and alone. I remember something from a distant story long ago about that. Why haven't I been able to leave that image alone? Maybe because... It makes me so very sad. So sad to the point of needing to change it. But how? I wanted to ask my tarot cards a question this week, but I realized I didn't bring them with me to this little scary. So I sat quietly instead. And soon enough... On a tiny little boat of their own, cute as anything, they arrived. Someone sent them to me. Thank you. I sat and shuffled them, waving at the occasional ghost passing by and directing them to my forest if they seemed lost. And I asked the cards, How can I be a beacon. How can I shine more brightly here so that others can have a light in the darkness and see a clear path to safety, to warmth, should they want it? How can I bring these ghosts to me as the lake grows colder, as the wind blows harsher, as the world burns fiercer? How can I light the way to something softer and sweeter, should one wish it? I drew 
for the fourth time, and logically so. Strength From episode 101 From the first all Hallowtide festival I held in my forest From the ghost story about heavy footsteps I recently told This card keeps appearing And it's not that I don't know why It's that a gentle kind of strength the kind of control that one does not seek, but exerts deliberately from nothing more than care and empathy. Bravery in the face of horrors unlike any we've ever seen is, obviously, integral. We are still in the season of the lion, aren't we? And on this card there is a woman Serene and calm and loving, wrestling with a lion, holding its jaws with her delicate hands, not because she wants to defeat it, but because she wants to keep it from doing harm. She wants it to be quiet and still. She does not want to cause pain, but she wants to protect and she will use her wonderful and easily underestimated power to do so. Let us all try to be her in this time, perhaps. This time of fire, where I find myself still surrounded by water, and air, and earth. Well, wait. There is this little bit of fire. This lantern here. A gift, no doubt, from one who has much fire. Thank you for that, friend. A little fire can go a long, long way. Especially in the darkness and the mist. Some driftwood washed up here a few days ago and I laid it out to make a little platform and a tiny roof for myself. Nothing fancy, just a little something to make this place a little more stable. Never mind that I could try and save it for a raft. I feel fine here for now. If I take the lantern and place it on my little roof here, so it's a bit higher up, I'll bet even more lost ghosts will be able to see it won't they? There's an idea. Mm, good. Excellent. There's some more wood making its way here. Discarded from trees rather than cut from them. Perhaps I will continue to build a little while I tell you a story. I am capable of working quickly and quietly. I have the strength for it. But in the meantime, I want to tell a story. A story about someone who was in need of strength, and someone who had plenty of it to spare. Bear with me as I get to building while I tell the story. I'm not sure what else it's about yet, but I'm sure I will have a better idea as we go on. I feel like I must get this lantern up a little higher 
It has to be seen through the fog. Maybe I can build another platform just a little higher up, maybe. Sorry, I apologize. The story. Don't mind me. Here. Once upon a time, there was a land that was besieged by hunger and smoke, ravaged by greed, choked of all its air and grass. One couldn't see the sun or the stars for the smog in the air, and one couldn't hear the breeze or the birds for the screeching of violent machines. And the people who lived in this place found themselves frightened and confused, because though many of them had lived here their whole lives, none of them could recall how exactly their home had become like this. I keep writing different kinds of speculations as to how it happened, but the truth is it's different everywhere, and yet the same everywhere, and I think it will not do to discuss blame. All I mean to say is, do not place it on the people stuck in the smog. Better to look higher, up at the castles, the towers, the buildings that pretend to rise above the smog. Look there for answers if you like, but I shall move on for now. Now, just outside the kingdom's borders, there was a great, vast wilderness. No one knew if it was desert or ocean, forest or lowland. It could be anything, for very few people traveled that way, and if they did, they very rarely came back. Either they had found something better, or much, much worse. It was the uncertainty that was frightening. That and the strict rules of the land from a faceless tyrant. No one from without may enter, and no one from within may leave. It was a rule that no one often sought to break, so preoccupied they were with survival and strife. Until one day, a little light appeared just on the outside of the border. It was hard to tell, in the smoke, but it seemed to be a little tent, purple and glowing from within. And if one listened carefully, they might catch, on the breeze, through the racket of the machines, music. It took a good deal of effort to see and hear the little thing from the distance of the city walls, so most did not look, except there was one brave soul, a young woman, barely more than a child, who saw it. She saw the glowing and she heard the music, and after several days of debating, she decided to risk the journey. She knew that if she were caught, her punishment would be dire. But who would be there to catch her? Everyone's eyes were down. She made it there in no time. 
The tent was made from a finely woven linen, dyed with a decadent rich purple the likes of which she had never seen. Purple was a color she thought she'd never be able to afford. From the front it seemed so small. How did she even see it from the distance she'd spotted it at? It seemed like nothing at all. Hello? She called out. Come in. She heard a voice whisper almost instantly, and two pieces of fabric pulled themselves apart so that she could look inside. It seemed much larger inside, somehow. There was a long tunnel, a hallway almost, and it was lit with little tiny flickers of light that almost appeared to be little twinkling stars. And a trail of lanterns led down this great hall, and the music grew closer and closer. Come in. The voice said again, Don't be afraid. And at the end of the hall, there was a dark room. And in the dark room there was a little table. And an old woman sat at that table. I say old, but it was impossible to tell how old she was, for her hair was so disheveled around her face and her knitted shawl was wrapped close around her, and only her two keenly shining eyes, strikingly golden they were, could be seen. Sit down, she told the young girl, and gestured to the chair opposite her. The girl, shaking, did whether she was shaking from fear or hunger or exhaustion, she wasn't sure. But she was grateful for the chair at any rate. She could tell that the old woman was smiling. What made you come here tonight, my child? The girl thought long on it before answering. I saw your light. And, well, I've tried everything else. The old woman nodded. Wise girl, to come to me. Very wise girl. The girl looked around in the shadows and could swear she heard breathing. Shuffling. Growling. Sounds in the dark parts of this impossibly endless chamber. And she suddenly wasn't so sure that she was so wise, after all. Now, show me your hand, the old woman said, and held her hand out, palm up. The girl acquiesced and gave her hand, palm up. The old woman did not trace its lines nor look at it. Nothing like that. Instead, she just clasped it hungrily in both of her hands. She threw her head back and began to whisper something incomprehensible. 
and when she sat upright once more, she gasped as though she had been drowning. Something is wrong here. Something is not right, she said, surprised and concerned. What? What do you mean? The girl cried out. The old woman shook her head mournfully. No, 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 it's all wrong. What you're doing, can't you feel that it's all wrong? The girl breathed quickly and tried to answer succinctly. I, I don't know, I, I wash clothes, I wash men's suits and women's gowns, and I press them and I spend all day with the harsh soap on my hands. Is that what you're feeling? Sometimes I burn my hands on the irons. I'm, I'm sorry, my skin must feel rough to the touch. Sometimes I look after children in town, but now not so much. There seem to be not as many of them these days. I do what I can. It's not my fault. She said desperately and defensively, not appreciating feeling judged and assessed by a stranger, trying to take her hand back. But the woman held her hand even tighter, her long nails digging into the rough flesh they found there. No, the old woman hissed. I don't mean any of that, can't you see? You are none of the things that you do. You, my dear, you, oh, my nimble, swift, resourceful one, you are a hunter. The girl didn't notice that her palm was bleeding openly now, as the woman dug her nails in more deeply. The sound of the drip, drip, drip echoed. How big was this room? And the girl heard the sound of an animal she didn't recognize. And then another, and another, and another. You are a hunter. The woman continued, and suddenly the darkness and the twinkling light swirled around her overhead, and the young girl wasn't so sure now that she was in the tent after all. It seemed like a night sky, clearer than any she'd seen in over a decade, and suddenly there were trees all around her too, and was it snow? The land had been too hot for snow to have a winter in years, and besides that it was summer, wasn't it? But here was the snow, yellow in the night by the moon's reflection, it seemed. Her stomach grumbled, and she remembered how hungry she was. But she did not bemoan her fate. Instead, she had the strangest instinct to smell. She sniffed. Rabbit, she could tell. There is rabbit here. Her feet followed her nose next, and she ran to find it. Digging through the snow that was barely cold at all. Leaping over hill and shrub weaving between the trees, and the night seemed to echo with its own kind of music. 
She wasn't afraid when she saw her long, white, fluffy tail. She wasn't shocked when she spotted a little black nose on a white snout in front of her. When she saw long, sharp claws attached to dainty white paws, she chuckled, and the laughter that came from her throat was a high-pitched, quick and chattering sound that made her laugh even harder. She was a beautiful fox, a fox in the winter, and oh, it may have been fantasy, but what a fantasy it was. There you are, my little one. That is what you are, my wise girl, a hunter. The old witch cooed to her as she scooped her up and placed her in a lovely little cage in the shadows, where she waited. For how long? It's hard to tell. In her little cage, she heard all the more clearly those other sounds. Perhaps it was her new large ears. She could smell the others, too, and it frightened her. She couldn't identify them, but she knew that there were creatures far larger than her. With much larger appetites, and bigger fangs, too. Hunter she was. But among animals there are many hunters, and to some she was certain she would be prey. Maybe. I'm not certain how animals think of it, and neither was she. Do not fear, Madam Fox, a voice growled in the shadows. I may sound like a beast, but I was once a cook. I remember enough not to break through these bars and devour you. Whoever and whatever it was said, chuckling to himself a little. Do not fear, Madam Fox, another voice chimed in. I do not know what I am now, and I do not remember what I was. But she told me I ought to be a dancer instead. And here I am. I do not think these cages will be here for long, and I'm certain I will dance again. The voice said, and whoever and whatever it was stepped hooved feet to an imaginary beat. Do not fear, Madam Fox, a third called out. I remember everything, and I remember that I was unhappy then. I am frustrated now, but it is not much worse, and I am certain it can be better. I remember everything. And whoever and whatever it was whistled a song so beautiful that all of the beasts in all of the cages sighed and sang and danced and forgot for a little about these cages. Which concerned our Madam Fox for a time. No, do not forget about them. This isn't right either. None of it is right. It is all wrong, all wrong. 
But when she imagined the sight of that golden snow and that deep blue night sky, she found herself sucked into a kind of lullaby, a powerful charm that was too hard to ward off. Each beast here, though she could not see them, was each under a powerful charm of their own too, and they were all kept happy and placated no matter how much they all knew it was just as bad as the suffering was to be delusional and blind to the realities of the world they were in. It was better. Better to be inside with false images flashing before their eyes. Better to feel calm at the sight of an imaginary sky than to sorrow at the sight of none at all. Right? One night, or day, it was hard to tell. The door opened from the long purple hallway into the shadow menagerie's room, and a young man came in and sat at the old woman's table. The animals muttered and chattered, as they were wont to do whenever a newcomer came and they weren't sure whether to warn them or cheer for them. And they watched the old woman greet him kindly and clasp his hand and give him a vision of what he ought to be. No, 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 you are not a foot soldier, my sweet boy. You take no orders from anyone. You are... You are free. And for the first time, the young woman, now a young fox, watched and saw as the newcomer stretched his arms out wide and they turned to two great wings. It looked painful, the way his bones stretched in some places and shrank in others, the way his nose and mouth hardened into a sharp beak, the way his eyes shrank and his skull groaned and moaned with the changing. But he didn't seem to be in any pain. If anything... He seemed in some kind of blissful, rapturous joy. Is that what she had looked like when she saw the snowy forest? And soon there was a placid but dignified and majestic eagle sitting in the young man's place. And he was lovingly picked up by the old witch and placed in a cage. And the cage was closed and she left. And that was that. The animals sang their welcome to their new brother, and that was that. A new addition came every now and then, but as I said, time was not very clear in this tent. A bear here, a doe there, more foxes, squirrels, rabbits, hawks. Any animal one might find in the forest was in a cage here, in this vast shadow menagerie that seemed to have no end. And one day someone else came. In fact, many came all at once. An army came to the door of the little tent. We don't know what you've been doing, they told her, but all of our young people are gone. No one is working in the city anymore. 
We have no people left of working age. We cannot keep up with production. What have you done with them? Come in. The witch's voice simply beckoned. And in they went, down the purple, starry hallway, mechanical weapons raised and thick black armor on. When they entered the menagerie, the animals fell silent as they did not recognize the uniforms of the men who had found their way in. The woman sat at her table. Welcome, my friends, she said, clearly smiling still, always smiling. Where is everyone? the leader demanded. I don't think this is what you are meant to be, she said, extending her hand towards the one who asked. Shall we see what you truly are? The commander scoffed, and several of his men did the same. He lowered his weapon and gave the old woman his hand, unafraid. She clasped it, but her face contorted into a strange, most frightful grimace. Oh, no, she murmured, and the animals beat their wings, their claws, their paws, whatever they had against the bars, and cried out because the man did not change at all. Oh, no, no, no. This is exactly what you are, she said sadly, letting his hand fall. He did not see any wilderness, no river, no forest, no sky, no snow and the army in the endless tent laughed at her. She found her smile again, though. And with one pull of a little lever at her side, all of the bars slid open to every cage in the room. And with ecstatic cries and caws and howls and calls, Every single beast, hundreds, hundreds of them, maybe even thousands, ran in a great stampede. So great were these masses of protectors, hunters, dancers, singers, in the forms of bear, stag, doe, fox, eagle, songbird, rabbit, that they took the tent with them, undoing it and unraveling it, and wrapping up the army in it so that they were stuck, laughably stuck. And they made their way into the hills, some of them, leaving the city behind forever. Some of them charged into the city itself, into expensive golden halls where influential people dined. Some of them ran swift as they could to scoop up hungry and unhappy folk like they once were, to take them to greener pastures. Whatever they did, they did on instinct. And despite the cries of confusion from humans who'd lost their way. Because how can you tell a wolf it's wrong to defend? How can you tell a stag it's wrong to run? 
How can you tell a bear it's wrong to chase? And the old woman picked up a little sparkling purple cloak, which was all that remained of the endless tent she'd had set up for however long she'd left it. It felt like only yesterday to her since she'd come to this place. But now her work was done and it was time to move on. And she wrapped it over her shoulders and wandered, prepared for fall and inspired again. A strange tale. A strange witch. I cannot tell you if the animals ever became human again because they're metaphors, silly. Maybe you don't want them to, and I don't want to take that from you. Or maybe you consider being an animal to be a curse. I don't think I do, but it doesn't matter what I think. What are you, truly? The strange thing is, time passed strangely in my story. And it did here, too, on my little island. I kept building up and up and up from the driftwood that came to me on this lake. I have built a few more stories and placed my lantern up at the highest peak. I think... I may have just built myself another tower. Is that wrong? I said I wouldn't do it. Not in my forest. But this isn't my forest, is it? And I don't think this is a tower. I think it's a lighthouse. See? The ghosts in their rowboats can see the light so much better, and they can see me point the way to the forest. Go there, friends. I will meet you there soon. Go there. There is something in the mist. Something huge and looming, and not quite animal, but certainly not man, and definitely spirit. I can tell from its gaze, which I can't see but I can feel, that it's angry with me. And the strange thing is, I'm not afraid at all. I gaze right back at it, in fact. I don't care. It wants to keep the spirits confused. It wants to make them unsure and afraid. Why should it benefit from that, I wonder? Come tear down my lighthouse if you like. I will still be a beacon. Because I think that's what I'm meant to be. It's what I would like to be. In the meantime, my friends, listening to me and joining me here, Thank you. If you feel lost and unsure and confused and afraid, I hope you see this light in the fog 
you can always follow it to the forest, where I'll meet you soon. Good night. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening to On a Dark, Cold Night and joining me for episode 157. This is your host, writer, podcaster, composer, narrator, etc., 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 Kristen Zaza. I hope you're all right out there, dear friends, using your strength to help others who may need a bit of it right now. And if you need it, have a bit of mine tonight. I would like to take a moment first to talk about an exciting new podcast. The Sonar Network is bringing you the third series of the Real Legitimate Anthology, Real Legitimate Apparitions. It's a mind-bending mystery about mortality, fate, and disobeying the laws of the universe. Which sounds right up my alley, if I'm being honest. What lies beyond the realm of the here and now? Explore the realm of the psychological and supernatural in this character-driven, full-cast audio drama that will take listeners down the rabbit hole of navigating the dimensions of time, space, and our own humanity. The show launches on August 23rd, and there's even going to be an exciting live premiere on the Sonar Network's YouTube channel at 8pm that night. You can find it at youtube.com slash thesonarnetwork. You can find Real Legitimate Apparitions as of August 23rd on the Sonar Network or anywhere else you like to listen to podcasts. Check out the trailer now and subscribe to Unravel the Mystery. As always, a big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters who continue to support the show on a monthly basis. I appreciate you all so greatly. We have a full moon coming up within the next week on August 22nd, which means that I'll be releasing another full moon tarot reading video on my Patreon page to anyone who becomes a member of the Kindred Spirit tier, which is $5 US a month or more. So I'm really looking forward to that. Listeners of any amount pledged per month also receive access to my ever-evolving soundtrack of the show, so there's something for everyone. You can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you'd prefer to donate on a one-time basis instead without the tarot reading or soundtrack perk, you can do so by buying one or more metaphorical coffees for me at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. And also we have t-shirts and hoodies available at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Again, I'm playing with the idea of different merch or On a Dark Cold Night products if there are any you think would be cool, so feel free to give me a shout over social media if you have any thoughts about that. You can find me on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, or on my Facebook or YouTube pages just called On a Dark Cold Night. And finally, if you'd like to support the show in a non-financial way, it would mean the world to me if you left a rating and a review on iTunes for us. Thank you so much for being here with me tonight, my friends. Stay well out there. Remember to keep breathing, stay strong, and stay gentle. Sweet dreams.
This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.